Good morning, Grace. How are you doing? You are awake? Good, good. Uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for, breath, for the breath of life. Thank you for granting us another day to be here, to come to your house, to worship you, and to congregate together to lift your name up. Today, as we pursue our teaching moment, we ask that you communicate through me so that I can be able to articulate what needs to be heard today. I ask that you minister to each and every one of us, wherever we are and whatever we need, that you encourage us according to your grace. And we present everything to your hands right now, thanking you for what you're going to continue to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today we just crossed a milestone, in case you didn't notice. Uh, we have three new elders, and we have uh, almost ten, I think, ten uh, deacons. Uh, for the deacons and elders who just became officials of the church, uh, I just want you to know that you just entered in the battlefield. Yeah. Satan now has a target on your back because now you are the commander of the kingdom of God. Therefore, you become valuable uh, a target for him. So be prepared, but take heart. God is with you because he said, I will be with you until the end of the age. Uh, so, today, uh, we're going to start a series that is going to take several weeks uh, on the leadership, biblical leadership of the church. And the reason we are doing this is because there's so much tradition out there, we need to distinguish what the Bible says and what it doesn't say, and in order to do that, we have to go through the scripture so we can show why eldership is important and where it came from. Uh, so, I was thought I need to do this. So, you just heard this scripture a few minutes ago. I'm going to repeat it again. Uh, and his gift to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some apostles, in brackets, special messengers, representatives, some prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, and some evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. I go on to say many other things, but today I'm going to deal with who these people are and how did they come about. Um, The ministry of biblical elders says that it's proper biblical government for elders strengthens the church. And whenever elder, term elder comes on there in any scripture, unless it's referring to a single individual, majority of the time, almost 20 times in the New Testament, it comes in plurality, meaning several of them not just one man show. In essence, have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus spend three and a half years pouring into 12 men? Now, if you count that, it says he taught them day and night, so that's seven years. So I don't know whether he slept or ate, so that doubled because he knew the urgency that was coming because he's going to be crucified, 
and going to leave, go to heaven, but he's going to have the church. And he needed these men to be prepared to take on the role of leadership that was to found the church, to write the New Testament. And all of them went on to do that, exception of the one who killed himself. And they substituted with Matthias also. So, biblical, proper biblical government of elders strengthened the church and from the norm of the, uh, of the church leadership is plurality. God ordained elders. This is the only pattern that you find in the New Testament. You may ask me how absolute sure you can be with that. I'm absolute sure because the Bible tells us that. Now, you may ask, but we have been doing very well without elders. Now, I may reply to you this. If you read the Old Testament, God used a donkey to speak to the prophet of God who was not listening. So God may use any vehicle to communicate regardless how disobedient we are sometimes. Now, sometimes we have followed traditions, and we, we think they are biblical. Tradition doesn't necessarily come from the word. Sometimes it does, sometimes majority of the time it is. So, nowhere in the scripture do we find a local assembly ruled by either majority opinion or a single pastor or one person. It is not one-man show. If it was, Jesus would not be spending time training 12. These 12 have different giftedness, various abilities that God wanted to use in the church, and therefore he selected them for various purposes. I can show you point, case and point. Peter was more assertive and combatant, strong-willed. And if you notice, Jesus always had uh, very striking words for Peter. Now, contrast that with John. John was calm, mild manners, didn't care much, but he was on the point. Then go to Nathan. Nathan was the guy who is a nerd. He studies. In fact, he said, I saw you under the tree, and I know you are a Jew of a Jew, because you know the word. So all these people had different abilities, so to speak. So when God selects leaders in the church, he gave them various abilities, supernatural abilities, let me clarify that, to do the work of the ministry for the body of Christ so that it can be equipped to become like him. That's why there are several, not just one. Uh, so, based on that, Grace Church, we're going to do things the biblical way because we're going to honor God so he can honor, uh, he can bless the church. Elders are selected based on specific spiritual, moral, and a personal criteria. They're not just pick up somebody in the streets and say, you're going to become an elder. It doesn't work that way. Scripture enumerated various details of responsibilities and functions of leaders and elders, they are enumerated in essential qualification of the office and provide us with at least basic framework by which we can say this is what it is and this is not what it is not. Therefore, we as elders, as Grace Church, we are going to be led by elders who will be shepherding, meeting the individual needs of the church members through prayer, discipleship, visitation, hospitality, and many other means that are possible to make sure the needs of each individual is met. That's why they're going to be there. And deacons are going to be there also in the trenches, helping facilitate and also recruiting people to perform this duty. For the congregants, 
You are seated there. You're not going to be sitting on the pews that much because you're going to be involved also doing something because all of you have, you have a specific gift that God has given you. And if you don't believe it, read the, the, the parable of the talent. He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. And everybody was told, God, do what you need to do for the kingdom. So that is a depiction of the church. The next point here is that the focal point of all church leadership is the elder. Uh, you may say, what do you mean by that? What I mean is, the elders charge, are charged with teaching, feeding, protecting the church, and its elders are also accountable to God on the behalf of the congregation. In essence, the responsibility is on them because they are under shepherd. They are managers for the kingdom of God and a chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, they answer to. Not only that, they also answer to the congregation. They are not lone rangers. Uh, we don't going to have any lone ranger in our church. So it's not going to be one person doing the work. We're going to sit together, discuss, come to an agreement in oneness in Christ and proceed forward. It's not going to be one man show. That's why you're seeing we are bringing more people and training more people. So we can all be benefited from that. Now, in the book of Peter, give us a concept. Pastor Faith just read these a few minutes ago, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, first Peter, Paul, uh, uh, excuse me, Peter writing, the apostle Peter, put all the, the terms of elders in one scripture. And he used the various time to talk to the elders how to be, how to pastor. Notice what I use pastor because it's, it's responsibility, not a person. Uh, and he said, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. That meaning he was an elder too. Now, if Peter was an elder, guess what? The other 11 were. Just throw the together straight. He didn't just become elder by himself. He is among the 12 disciples. So he continued to say, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, one who also share the glory of, to be revealed, be shepherd, now that word is modified in Greek, of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing as God's want. Now, I'm going to go back to the scripture because there are three terms used here, all of them that we are talking about referring to an elder, a pastor, and whatever you. First of all, he says elder. That is a term which we call what? Presbyteros, the word we use from the Greek. What does that mean? A mature man having seasoned judgment and experience. Spiritually, and in a way of life. Now, the word comes from gray, beard. No, I have a lot of it, so I probably have more of that. I don't know. Maybe because of stress, I don't know, but it's what it is. Um, that's the word, the root word coming from. It gives you what the person is. Then he also says, after that, he uses another term. Piamenon, come from a poem, means pastor, where we get our word pastor. That's why he uses the word there when he said, be shepherd. He is talking about what they do. Now, we have been accustomed to say that a pastor is an individual. No. Jesus is talking about the specific divine gift 
and what it does. Let me explain a little bit. It means these, a headsman, meaning the person who is on a field where the sheep stinks. So he smells like them. And they continue to say, he feeds, he tells the frog, he keeps the sheep to furnish pasture for food. What is that? The word pasture, come from pasture. To nourish, to cherish one body, to serve the body, to supply the requisite for the soul's need. Does that sound like, uh, that's what we, do. we don't, they don't call themselves shepherd because they want glorified name pastor, which means we don't understand what it means. It means to do these things. Let me give you a classic example. When Jesus took the towel in upper room and started washing feet, Peter said, Jesus, are you out of your mind? The slaves do that. You can't do that. We can't do that. We are above that. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't do this, you're not going to be pastor. He said, okay, wash me in the whole body. He said, Peter, don't be extreme. You don't want me to wash you? Now you want to wash your whole body? No, that's what he meant. So you're missing the point, Peter. Peter, it's an attitude of the heart and how you serve. You have to be down here to serve up here. It doesn't start there. It starts down here. That's what he's saying. And he's trying to show him. Philippians chapter 2, I left heaven, I clothed myself in human flesh to experience pain so I can understand you, and now you need to understand others. You need to become like me. That's why he is the chief shepherd, and we as elders and deacons, we are under shepherds. Let's get that straight. We are here to serve, not to be served. But what I've noticed in our culture today, the pastor are put in a pedestal. Have you noticed whenever a pastor does something, there is always a split in the church? It reminds me of Corinthians. People are saying, I am of Paul. Another one says, I am of Peter. And some of them say, I'm of Jesus Christ. He said, what's wrong with you guys? We are in the same field. Peter, do X, Y, Z. And I do X, Y, Z. And God give increase. It's not one man show. So let's get that straight grace. We are not here to be served. We are here to serve each other as believers in Christ. So that's the word. Now, then it continues to talk about the next word, Episcopal, where we get our word overseer, where we get our word bishop. All these terms, they are referring to only one office, the elder. So what is Episcopal? It comes from the word prebus. Meaning, an old elderly man. That's what he's saying. With that experience, who have seen many moons, who can give you nuggets of gold every time he speaks. Some wisdom. Somebody who will think and take perspective and evaluate things before they say things. Spiritually and in natural life. That's what he's talking about. So, what does this say? Now, if you go back to the Athenian system, city-state, prebus or bishop, they were sent by officials to go to the new territory to inspect and report what they found and also supervise that is done. That's where the word comes from. 
So what does that mean to us? It means this, that God has put us in this place to be able to delegate while we are still working at it ourselves. It's also one of my show. That's what it's saying, to delegate in the kingdom of God. So it's important to understand what all this is about. So the proper understanding of the term elder and its origin. I'm going to go back to where it started, the Hebrew language. By the way, some people say this, oh, we don't deal with the Old Testament anymore. We're just a New Testament people. I have something new for you. 97%, let's excuse me, 77% is the Old Testament. And the next percent, which is little percentage, is the New Testament. And 3% is just new information. So the Old Testament is in the New, and the New is in the Old. Because the Old Testament is talking about Jesus Christ, all of it. But have you noticed all these people did things by faith, by the way? They believed, Abraham believed, being circumcised is a sign and agreement with God that by faith you do X, Y, Z. Yeah? Uh, Noah getting into the ark. That God is not going to break it down and sunk by faith. Yeah, all of it. It's all through Revelation, all the way to the Revelation. So the word for, original word for this is zaken from Hebrew. The primary word zaken is used, for example, in Numbers 11.16 and Deuteronomy 27.1 of the seven tribal elders who assisted Moses in dealing with as lawyers, magistrates, dealing with people's issues, except those things which were so difficult they took them to Moses. And this also came from his father, Jethro. We don't hear much about where he came from and what his belief was, but he told Moses, he sat there one day and said, Moses was doing all this by himself. How, can you imagine dealing with issues of one million people by yourself? Yeah, one million. So he sat him down in the evening and said, Moses, you're going to be dead if you do this. So go to every tribe and select men of wisdom and honest and truthfulness and character, and they can deal with these things, and those most difficult they can bring to you. That's how it started. So, there it refers to special category of men who are set apart for leadership. Deuteronomy 19:19, continue to 8, indicates that these men were charged with the responsibility of serving as judges. Moses communicated to them in Exodus 19:7. Deuteronomy 31:9, let they read the Passover in Exodus 12:21, and perhaps other elements. Later, the elders of Israel specifically were involved in leadership in cities. They were passed within various cities. I noticed, I looked at that when I was looking and they said, did you know we do that in America? These people selected various cities where they were supposed to be magistrates and lawyers and judges. Did you know the United States Supreme Court is divided in seven geographical occasions? And all those seven locations, they appoint a judge, a, a chief ju- a, a justice to oversee. Yeah, that's very interesting. Come to think about it. So all the cases got one judge in the Supreme Court from various demographics, and they deal with it, and they deal with that section all together. The same thing is in the scripture here. So the Old Testament referred to them as elders of Israel, elders of Judah, elders of each city, elders of congregation, serving in the capacity of local magistrates and governors of tribal uh, section to show that God needed his people to be governed orderly. Then we have another word for Hebrew, which is sub. Now, it's not a car, but person. 
So this word is used after, only in the book of Ezra, after the exile, when they have been in captivity for 70 years, they are coming back to rebuild the temple. And Ezra is coming with them, and Zerubbabel, and these posterior Jews are coming back to rebuild the temple and a place of worship. And this time is used for them because they were given responsibility to, to guide, develop, and build the temple so that people can have a place of worship after 70 years being captivity in Babylon, which now is Persian Empire, so to speak, under Cyrus the Great, so to speak. The term elder is found there also. Now we go to Greek, which is the most important language because it's where it catches us with us in the church. The Greek word for elder is presbyteros, so to speak. It's, the word is used 70 times in the New Testament, like the cane, it means aged, mature, beard, which means gray-haired, or in English word, meaning becoming mature of age, physically, spiritually, in every way. For example, in Acts 2.17, it says, Peter quotes the book of Joel, says 28, he says, your old men who dream dreams. The, the Hebrew word for old men is the can they are used. And the Greek word is prosobuteros, which is used in, uh, in that sense so to speak, about the mature people. In the first Timothy 5, 2, it's a use also in feminine gender. Ladies, you're hearing this? It's used in feminine gender to say, referring to older women, to teach young men, women to become better believers, to respect their husband, and to be ministers in the work of God as deacons and whatever you. In that context, it's talking about mature, signifying age and maturity, not necessarily an office. And then it continues. The next one is talking about a time of Christ. Presbyteros is a familiar term. It appears 28 times in the New Testament, referring to a group of ex-officials or spiritual leaders of Israel. The chief priests, the scribes, the teachers of the law, and officers of the God of the temple, these are the people who gave Jesus hard time, remember? They were sending spies to come ask questions. Some they think Jesus was just son of Mary because he was from down there. They can test him, but he knew their mind. So they, they got frustrated because instead of answering questions, he asked with the questions, which they couldn't answer because they were assassinated themselves with the words. So they quiet. Those, these are the people he is talking about here. Then he asked, 428 talking about each of these instances, the usage is similar, recognizing the spiritual leadership of Israel, which is not defined as a high priest or something else. These seem to be the Sanhedrin of the time who dealt with Jesus. In Matthew 15 to, uh, verse 2 and Mark 7, 5 uses the tradition elders. Therefore, it refers to as referring to the ancestry spiritual father who passed down the principle governed by religious practices. And there, the teachers are determined as due tradition. In this sense, the elder is equivalent to a rabbi, therefore Jesus was a rabbi, great teacher, signifying that it's not necessarily a status, but a position that person performs something for other people. Then the 12 occurs in, in a book of Revelation, where it signifies all the redeemed of the all, all ages. So that's how it's used before it goes somewhere else. Then how is the term elder used in reference to the church? Because that's where we are. The church, how did the church get it? 
The church adopted the concept of eldership in the early church by the Holy Spirit. Now, if the wheel is not broken, why are you going to destroy it? Now, I want to explain that phrase. The first church was predominantly Jewish. Let's get straight. It started in Jerusalem. That's what Jesus said. You preach in Jerusalem, and then Judea, then Samaria. Samaria was not Jewish. It was half Jews. And then to the outermost part of the earth. So the first church was completely Jewish until God laid saw to persecute the church, and they learned for their lives because they forgot about the phrase, go to the outermost part of the earth. It's amazing how God uses certain things to do certain things. God used Saul, breathing threatening, for apostles to move from their own geographical location to go do God's work. And wherever they went, they couldn't shut their mouth. They spoke Jesus. And therefore, other churches from the Gentiles got saved. So the first instance, the church was Jewish. So what happened? They said, oh, we have elders in, the ch- in our tradition. Why don't we put it here too? And I guarantee you, why was it done? Because they didn't have the baggage that we have like we do today. That's why the word elder doesn't have kind of baggage of pastor or bishop and all those things, which have been traditionalized. So they use that term that way. So the elder was only commonly used in Jews' term for leadership, was free from any connotation of either the monarch or priesthood. And this is very significant. Why? Because each believer is a co-legent with Christ, so there will be no other king, unlike the nation of Israel, where Noche was designated a high priest. Uh, now we are all priests, royal priesthood. That's what the concept is. Remember when Jesus died, the cutting of the temple tear into two halves, opening the holies of holies where only the high priest could go. But now it's open for all to have access to God. So every one of you, you can say, Jesus, I'm coming to heaven because of my grandfather. There is no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. You have to come to Jesus for your own self and own your own faith and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord in your own life. You can't say, my mama preached and, and my daddy preached and we have 30,000 members. doesn't matter. The question is, are you in Jesus Christ as a loyal priesthood by yourself? And that's the whole point here. That's what is very important to understand the transition that the Jewish were trying to make. So the leadership started that way. The elders of Israel were mature men, hand of the families, according to Exodus 12, 21. Able of moral character, strong character, fearing God, possessing truth and integrity. Men full of the Holy Spirit, according to Numbers 11, 16 to uh, 17. Men capable of wisdom, discernment, experience, impartial, courageous men who interceded on behalf of others, taught others, and judged righteously and fairly according to Deuteronomy 1, 13 through 17. All these characteristics were inherent in the New Testament church, presbyteral. Let's cut it over. If you notice all those things I just said, God said it to Moses and the elders, and then they are carried over to the New Testament. Characteristics, not the personalities. Let's get that straight. So you guys who are stuck in, I like pastor so-and-so, I like so-and-so, you better get straight. You need to worry about what God think about it. Because the moment you start worshiping a person, the moment you're in laboratory. 
You need to understand you don't follow people. You follow God because people are going to fail you because they, are, they, are, they have sinful nature like you do. And one thing I've noticed, we don't like to give grace much, but we like to be given grace. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? This church is called Grace. And going forward, we as elders and deacons and congregants, we need to learn to give grace to each other. Because that's a lot of prayer, by the way. Lord, forgive us this day our sin as we forgive others. But mostly we, we don't forget, we forget the part we forgive others. I just want to be forgiven, but I can't forgive you. Where were you, where are you at that one? Remember what Jesus said. If you do not forgive, you will not what? Be forgiven. That's scripture. I didn't say it. It's in the Bible. You need to read that part more. So, as leaders, we give grace to each other and our congregants. And the congregants, you give grace to your leaders. They're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. The question is, what attitude do they have? Repentant one and humbleness or cantankerous? That determines the result, the outcome. You understand that? So, the elders, presbyteros, is used 20 times in the book of Acts and Epistle. Why in the world would God use it 20 times? When God repeats something several times, he is saying it's extremely important, pay attention. And deal with it. So, did you know Jesus is also called the Episcopal of your soul? Meaning, the Bishop of your soul. And then the same passage, he says, we, use another term, we as bishops, Episcopals, he says, you other shepherds, you need to look at chief shepherd. Yep, the same thing. So, use 20 times to show how unique the group of New Testament churches because of who unique person is who called them Jesus Christ. From this earliest beginning of the churches, it's clear that the group of mature spiritual leaders was identified to have responsibility of assembly. For example, the church at Antioch, where believers were first called Christians. Do you know they call them Christian there? They didn't call themselves Christians. The people mock them. They say, look at those guys there. We're going to mock them. They're worshiping that guy we just killed. What's wrong with them? Are they not? So we're going to call them midget Christian, midget Christ. And the name stuck to call them Christian. What a testimony that they walk like a dead guy and they worship the dead guy. Therefore, the name stuck. Are we, can people say that about us? See, Christianity is about exercising what you believe, not just saying it. Most time, all of us fail. But the point, the point is not that we fail. What do we do after we fail? We, we just sit there or repent and move on. We repent and move on. That's why First John is very important. And we con- if we confess our sin, he is just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because, see, confess, he didn't say repent, confess. Because repentance you did when you became a believer. Confess is like saying, I apologize. Because you are restoring the fellowship. Because the relationship is still there. The fellowship is gone because of what you did. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what it's talking about in the book of John. So he continued to say this. In Antioch, they sent Barnabas and saw the elders 
as elders to Jerusalem with a gift to distribute to the needy brethren in Judea, according to Acts 11. Now, if they are sending Paul and Barnabas, that as, and the, the elders are sending them, they are sending other elders. So, Paul and Barnabas were elders. They were being sent to Jerusalem because a controversy occurred about circumcision. Should we circumcise these Gentiles to become good Jews and good Christians? Or should they go by faith? And the issue, the first controversy of the church started here. And if you read the book of Acts, these elders went and presented the case into the church. And it says very clearly, they were apostles and they were elders. It doesn't tell us where they came from. They're there. They're just they're there. Because it has been a tradition. It's understood. And they deal with the case. They presented to the congregation. Then went privately, second meeting. They, they do their logistics. That's why we as elders had to sit down and talk about something before we bring it to you. And then we bring it to you. And if you decide not to, we go back and discuss it and bring it to you. And you agree, whatever. That's what they did. Then they came out and they said, we agree X, Y, Z. And everybody said, amen. Not only that, they sat down. They said, the word of mouth is not enough. They wrote a letter. They said, this is what you ought to do there. From now on, you need to follow God in the Holy Spirit, but don't eat any meat with the blood, but also you are saved by grace alone. Yeah. The, far, the first act of elders was seen right there, establishing how the church is supposed to be governed. Therefore, since the church Antioch grew out of Jerusalem, or the ministry of Jerusalem, elders probably existed there as well. Paul himself likely functioned as an elder in Antioch, before stepping out in the role of an apostle. He is listed in Acts 13.1 as one of the church teachers. Teachers are elders. It's right there. Now, the next one is, elder prayed dominant law in the council of Jerusalem as recorded in Acts. 15. The decision was made because they presided among them. They were guiding. Remember what I said, prebus, meaning debt overseeing what is supposed to be done from the chief shepherd. That's what they were doing. Elders in the church of at the grace, we can't sit down and say people are going to do it. We are supposed to be the driving force of the church. We are the focal point by which people look at because they are looking for the shepherd and they need to look at us to us as an example, and we need to be a good example to them so that they can know who God is by how they see us operating. So if we're in a complete agreement, they're going to be in a complete harmony. The point is this. The temperature of the church and the productivity of the church and the growth of the church reflect on the leadership. I'm going to repeat that in case you missed it. Ladies and gentlemen, elders who have become elders and deacons, listen to this. The way this church is going to go to, going forward is how we behave and how we conduct ourselves and follow the word of God. That's what it's going to be. It is what it is. Now, you guys, as you know, for the last few months, you have seen how if we don't follow God, how things work. So we have an example. Now we know what is worse and what is good. So we can go from there, saying to still so speak. So Paul and Barnabas began preaching new areas. As the church began to extend itself, the process of identifying church leaders became more clearly defined. Throughout the New Testament, as the church developed, leaders are called elders. In the early biblical narrative in Acts 14, says, we see that 
the key step in establishing a new church was first to identify and appoint elders for church leadership. That's what Paul was sending Timothy to Ephesus to appoint elders. He sent Titus to Crete to, to appoint elders. All the, while Paul is writing, he is always bringing up people. Some places he spent 18 months, some places he spent three years, and he was teaching and admonishing and demonstrating and pointing elders because it takes time to develop elders. They don't grow in trees. It's going to have to work. So elders who have just become elders, you're going to be training at our classes so that we can have more leaders and more people to be knowledge and fed so that we cannot have malnourished church spiritually. If leaders are malnourished spiritually, the church is going to be malnourished too. That's how it is. Let's get straight. Nearly every church we know in the New Testament is said to have elders. For example, Acts 20.17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, saying, the church, the people in Ephesus, he told them to enlist and appoint leaders in that area. This is the whole area of Asia Minor. So there were several churches, not just one. And Ephesus was the biggest church sending missionary across the Asia Minor, which was Timothy as a bishop at that time. And he was trained by Paul, so he was doing a good job because, you know, Paul did a good job. He didn't do a job half-heartedly, so to speak. Now, Paul, Peter also wrote to the scattered church in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bethany, all these religions in Asia Minor. And all this is coming from the church of Ephesus, so to speak. Uh, when Peter wrote, he is writing to them that verse that we just went through, that they need to be better Episcopal or the Word of God. Okay, yeah. How is an elder related to the term bishop and elder? So, according to First Peter, it tells you what it is. Uh, we read that a few minutes ago, but I'm going to read it again here uh, so that we can understand. Peter instructs them saying this, I appeal for, as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who is also share a great, great uh, glory to be revealed. Be shepherd, pyomenon, meaning you need to take them to the pasture and feed them, of God's flock that is under you, serving as overseer, delegate, don't, it's not one-man show. Be a good Episcopal. That's what we get our word, Episcopalian, by the way. In case you didn't get, that's what the church Episcopalian comes from. Whether they have a good doctrine or not, I don't know. But not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. In essence, this is self-committed role not you've been humbled by somebody to do it. Elders, if you became because your wife told you and you're not in it, just get out. Because I'm telling you right now, you're going to do work. There is a lot of work to be done. So, deacon, you just got a towel. You're going to be doing a lot of dirt. That's what the towel is there for. You have to clean up and, uh, and you're going to be stressed. But Jesus is going to be your massage therapist. That's what I'm going to say. And I just say that Jesus is going to be able to, I'm just saying that is your resource because it's going to be work. Because let me tell you something after talking to people in the church, 
you're going to hear all the stories. You're going to hear all the problems. But you can't carry those problems by you. You need to take it to Jesus because you carry it. You're going to be committed, institutionally speaking. I'm just saying. So remember that you're going to depend on Christ, not yourself. Because if you depend on yourself, you're going to lose. I'm just letting you know. So the first Peter, which I just read, Peter brings this in together. He uses these three terms together to show you it's a job, it's a work to be done, not necessarily the person. He is emphasizing the responsibility, the, the work that you have to do for the church. And if you are scared about that, then it's time you can be there. Now, then on uh, chapter 20 of Acts, it's, it uses these three terms also at the same time. He says that, verse 17, he talks about, he, Paul wrote, he assembled these elders in the church to give them his farewell. And verse 28, he said, keep watch of, of yourself and also over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, episcopal, be shepherd, poyomen, take them to that nice pasture, know the temperature of the church, know what is hurting and why. That's what he's saying. In general sense, so to speak, is that the term elders is used, it's preferred because it's free of all connotations and nuances of meanings that have been imposed of both bishop and pastors by our culture today. In essence, the term doesn't have cultural baggage. And that's the term we should take as Grace Church. And as we go today, remember this. We are under shepherd. The chief shepherd and the owner of the flock is Jesus Christ who died for the flock. We do not own any office. Only Christ owns the office. And we, we are managers to that office. And we submit to the boss, Jesus Christ. Both the congregants, both the elders and the deacons and everyone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you because your word is true. And you said when your word comes out, it, it will never back, come back void. I pray that you help these people to congregation to go and think about these things and do their own research, understand the concept, and embrace it so they can be blessed. As we go to our respective home, we ask that you minister to us. As we uh, go to our whole of this, this week, we ask that you minister to our soul and our physically. There are so many who are hurting. We pray for them, those who, those who are sick, that you minister, stretch your hands of grace to minister to their bodies and their soul. And Father, we commit this hour to you, and we thank you for what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.